don't do drugs, kids, because you'll give birth to a mermaid without a butt. <laughs> Welcome to This Myth Again, the show where we talk about myths, legends, conspiracies, theories, and the supernatural. I'm Jill. And I'm Kim. And today we're going to be talking about mermaids. Mermaids! So, a little bit of disclosure, this actually is not our first recording. No. Our first recording <laughs> was about wishcraft. Did you call it wishcraft? Witchcraft. Okay, that's better. Okay, so we weren't too psyched about how that recording went. There was a lot of technical issues. First of all, we got plastered as fuck. Oh yeah, we were a little bit nervous before the recording, so we took some shots of Fireball. Some shots, we had one bottle of wine, and then we had another bottle of wine. It just... It ended a little bit... It, we lost it at the end. You know, the biggest issue was actually the fact that we didn't have our splitter for our headphones, and so our producer, John, who you will hear about later, was... Um, his voice was coming through and, like, overlapping us at times, and that was kind of a big issue. Do we really need to go into all of the No, we don't need to go into all of the problems, the but... first recording... Um, sure, people don't care since they're not going to get to listen to it unless they pay us money. Yeah, whatever. Um, but anyways, we're still in our my parents' closet. We're still borrowing Well, you space. can't say that because they don't know we're in your parents' closet to begin with. They haven't listened to the episode that we recorded before this one. Okay, okay. We are in my parents' closet. <laughs> we're trying out different spaces to test the sound quality. We're in the and closet. <laughs> And even though there was a bunch of other shit wrong with our witchcraft, witchcraft episode. Can you, I will count the days <laughs> until you can get that word right. So, we're still trying out the closet. The sound quality is still pretty good. Alright, so let's just get into it. We're, we're doing mermaids this episode. Jill, what are we drinking today? We're drinking mermaid water because it is so freaking difficult to find a wine that features some sort of mermaid-esque theme to it. On the West Coast. We found one bottle and it was... It was a pretty penny that I really was not ready to let go of yet, so... Yeah, it was... We made our own drinks from, what, it was a Pinterest pin? Yeah, something like that. It's called mermaid water. The ingredients are spiced rum, or just normal rum if you don't have spiced rum like us, coconut rum, pineapple juice, lime juice, blue... Curacao? I don't know. I'm not looking at the word. I can't pronounce it when I'm not looking at it. You were the one that was complaining about my pronunciation. Well, I've been complaining about it a lot tonight. You have been. So let's get into mermaids. Tell me all about it. The name mermaid comes from the French word mer, meaning sea, and maid, meaning young woman. The mythology of mermaids is very mixed depending on the culture. So some cultures depict mermaids as 
these beautiful, peaceful creatures who live harmoniously with humans, and other cultures depict them as these antagonistic creatures that wreak havoc upon sailors and cause destruction on the seas. I really like the latter. The wreaking havoc kind? Oh yeah, just destruction and death and just luring men to their deaths. <laughs> okay. It just sounds more badass than under the sea. I know. <laughs> oh, I'm just a pretty little mermaid sitting on a rock brushing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a lot of the mermaid mythology comes from the Greek mythology around it, but the first recorded story actually comes from Assyria in 1000 BC. And that's a story of, um, forgive me because I have not figured out how exactly to pronounce her name, Astargatis. Astargatis. I'm going to go with that. Astargatis. So Astargatis is a, a beautiful goddess who falls in love with a mortal man. But she accidentally kills him in a round of divine lovemaking. And <laughs> Did he have a heart attack? <laughs> I don't know how exactly she killed him, if it was just too rambunctious or what. But she kills him. And filled with shame, she throws herself into a lake to hide. But her beauty cannot be disguised. And so, instead of completely turning into a fish... Her upper body stays human, and only her lower body turns into that of a fish. And it's presumed that the story of Astrogatus inspired the Greek mythology of Aphrodite, and from there the Greeks further expanded upon the concept of mermaids, um, including Triton, the Nereids, which are sea nymphs, and the story of another word I can't pronounce, Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki? Thessaloniki. And then also the sirens. So, uh, just Wait, because... wait, wait. Hold on. Quick, quick. Because th I know there's a lot of confusion. What's the difference between a siren and a mermaid? You know, I was actually going to get into that. I have, a, I have it laid out here. Okay. Well, I can talk about that before I talk about Thessaloniki. All right. So, sirens versus mermaids. In Greek mythology... Mermaids come from the the sea nymphs or the the nereids. Mm -hmm. Also, don't know if I'm saying that word correctly. The nereids are basically what we would envision mermaids to be: the half human, half fish. Mm -hmm. And you know, those are creatures that would sometimes mingle with humans, maybe even bear their children. Who knows? Sirens, on the other hand, were actually never associated with the half-fish, half-human thing. Sirens are half-bird, mm -hmm. half-human. So it's the lower half is bird and then wings, and then the upper body is the female. Well, well, let me picture that. It's a bird body, and then sticking out of the neck part is... Another torso and arms no, and no, a head, it's like, or is it just a bird body it's like with a the, human head? The lower body is that of a bird, so Got like it. bird legs and stuff, and then they have the bird wings, but the upper body is that of a female. See, I'm still not seeing this because I'm see I'm picturing a okay, dove, just, and it's like a bird body with the why, wings. The wings stop at the neck. Why are the dove? No, when you have a human with wings, they're sticking out of the shoulder blades. 
Oh, so it's like a harpy. I don't know. Look up a freaking picture. It's half bird, half woman. All right. I will look up a picture. The whole they lured sailors part is part of the Siren mythology. So they would fly over the ocean and they had these enchanting voices. Mermaids in Greek mythology did not. They looked beautiful, but they didn't have beautiful singing voices. Sirens were the ones that had beautiful singing voices. They would lure sailors to crash their ships upon the rocks. And the story of the sirens is that they got into a singing contest with the muses. And they lost the singing contest. And when they lost that contest, they also lost their feathers so they could no longer fly. So they just look like normal humans? No, they cast themselves into the ocean where they perished. Or some legends say they turned into mermaids, but, you know, whatever. That's basically the difference between sirens and mermaids. Sirens are not mermaids at all. They don't have fishtails. They're half bird, half woman. And they sing really nice. See, I Google imaged it, and all I get is straight up just... Starbucks logo. <laughs> no, mermaids. <laughs> See, that's the thing, is somehow... It's the... so inundated in our culture that you just cannot find an actual siren photo. Yeah, somewhere along the way, the siren mythology... There's even a new show on Netflix called Sirens, and the woman is basically a mermaid. But that's not what sirens are. You can probably hear me typing. Yes. See, I'm I I still picture it as you. Do you remember playing World of Warcraft and you had the harpies? I uh, never forked over the money to play that game. I thought I let you play on my account for like a minute. I don't remember. Oh. All right. Well, harpies are like, aren't they part lion? No, harpies are just like birdie, birdie birds. Sirens are the wings are like separate from their arms. I think. Okay. And, like, their body, like, from the boobs, it just curves down into a, a bird body. Okay. I'm, I'm glad they got the boobs in there, though. Oh, yeah, it's important. Very important. It's very important. It wouldn't have... be woman unless it has tits. Exactly, because then you'd be like, what the fuck is that? I don't know if that's a man or woman. <laughs> so, moving on. All right. So, though, um... I just went into a little bit the story of uh, Thessalonike, just because I had never heard of it, and I imagine it's not as the story of her is not as well known in Greek mythology. So, Thessalonike was the sister of Alexander the Great, and she became immortal when her hair was washed in the immortal fountain. Don't know why Alexander didn't. I'm also... really glad you finished that because I was like, wait, 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 wait. Am I immortal? Because <laughs> I done washed my hair recently. <laughs> I don't know why Alexander didn't also wash his hair in the immortal fountain. She was stricken with grief when Alexander died. And so she cast herself into the sea trying to kill herself. But because she was immortal, she couldn't die. So instead, she became a mermaid. And she just roamed the Aegean Sea, and as sailors passed by, she would stop them and ask them about her brother. And if they could reassure her that Alexander was alive and well and still ruling, then she would let them pass. But if they couldn't, then she would turn into a sea monster and 
destroy their ship. Hold on, hold on. She's, she's immortal, and she's a mermaid, and she is constantly wondering about her brother's well-being. Cut to a thousand years later. Is my brother still alive? <laughs> nah, bitch. She done died. <laughs> Long ago. There's a lot of things in Greek mythology that need a little bit of stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I'm just imagining sailing down the Aegean Sea today. Is, is my brother alive? Who's your brother? What? <laughs> Who the fuck? Bitch, I say you, he did. <laughs> okay, so, all in all, in, uh, in Greek mythology, mermaids basically symbolize creation, fertility, and love, but also vent their vengeful, cruel, jealous, and proud. Like any woman. Exactly. As humans started to master sea travel... And there were, like, less aquatic accidents happening. The the whole... It just Okay, I'm sorry. You said that and I pictured, like, just toddlers peeing in kiddie pools. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very mild aquatic accident. <laughs> the more severe of which is ships crashing on rocks. <laughs> okay. So, as humans mastered sea, sea travel... The image of mermaids started to be less associated with the antagonistic side and the vengeful side and became a more romanticized version of the mermaid. And that's when um, we get the story, you know, from Hans Christian Andersen. He wrote The Little Mermaid and that's what inspired Disney. And then, you know, here we are today with Disney princess Little Mermaid. Her name's not Little Mermaid. Her name is Ariel. Get it right. <laughs> not in Hans Christian Andersen's story. What is her name Little Mermaid in Hans Christian Andersen's yeah, story? Yeah, she's just referred to as the Little Mermaid. Frankenstein's monster. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Frankenstein's monster situation. All right. All right. So when we think of mermaid, we usually think of the westernized version of it. You know, beautiful girl on the top, fancy fishtail on the bottom. But there are a lot of variations of what the mermaid looks like throughout history, throughout different cultures around the world. So I've picked out a few, actually quite a few, different ones to talk about. And some of them have a, some longer stories and other ones are just quick little blurbs. So the first of which is from Scotland, the Selkies. These are creatures who live as seals in the water, but they shed their seal skins to become humans on land. And basically, they have to keep their skins with them, because if they lose their skins, then they can't return to the water. So a lot of the folklore is these women would come up on land, and then their, their skins would get stolen and so they'd be trapped on land, and they'd get married to a guy, they'd have a couple of kids, and then somewhere down the road they'd find their seal skins again and return to the water and basically just abandon their family on land. Why does it always end with women getting married? Is that all women did back then? Pretty much. Man. Ladies got it good today. I mean, we complain about shit, but ladies got it good today. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up between having to do stuff 
and then having a lot of time to not do stuff. Well, I mean, also, there's the fact that beating your wife was not seen as an issue. It was just seen as part of marriage back then. In some cultures, yeah. In most cultures. Okay, so, moving on. From Africa, there's Mamiwata, which loosely translated is Mother Water. And she's basically a goddess or a, a guardian who is portrayed as a mermaid, a snake charmer, or sometimes a combination of both of those. And she symbolizes fertility, sexuality, good fortune, and healing. From Brazil, there's Iara. And I love the story of Iara because she's, like, super badass. So, Iara is the daughter of an Amazon chief. And she was the most amazing warrior of the village. The best warrior. But she was also beautiful and kind and courageous. Get it, ladies. (laughs) And her two brothers were insanely jealous of her skill. So one night, they decided they were going to sneak up on her while she slept to try to kill her. While they snuck up on her, she woke up and she killed them both. Oh. Because even, like, half asleep, she can still take on two men. Of course she can. She's (laughs) fucking badass. But her father wouldn't believe that her brothers tried to kill her first because, you know, patriarchy and all that shit. So also, it's kind of hard to believe that a child would kill their other child. I mean, yeah. So, because she killed her two brothers, her father like, sent out the entire village to hunt her down. And when they captured her, they drowned her in the river. But even the fish thought that she was badass, and instead of letting her drown, they turned her into a mermaid. And from there on, she would just lure men to her with her beauty and her beautiful singing voice, and she would capture them and bring them down to her underwater palace. And basically she just collected a harem of men in her underwater palace. (laughs) And so she's blamed for a lot of boating accidents that happen on the Amazon, especially ones where men mysteriously disappear. From New Zealand, there's Mara Kihau. Again, apologies if I pronounce it incorrectly. Mary Kiao is a guardian of the sea with a human head and the body of a fish. And it has a long tubular tongue that it uses to swallow fish as well as destroy canoes. From uh, France, there's the story of Melusine. So the story of Melusine actually varies depending on whether the folklore is coming from France, from Germany, Luxembourg, or about Albania. But basically the the gist of it is that Melusine's mother was a fairy and she got married to a mortal. And her mother made her husband promise that he would never look upon her while she was bathing her daughters. Melusine had two sisters. And the husband broke that promise and looked it on them. And so Melusine's mother took her and her sisters and went away somewhere else. When Melusine got older, she decided to seek revenge on her father. And when her mother heard about this, she punished Melusine to 
basically every Saturday she would, her legs would turn into serpent tails. And oh, is that where the Starbucks two serpent tails comes in? I don't know if the Starbucks story comes from Melusine, <laughs> but um, wait, so she went to get revenge on her father for just like you know peeking in, checking up, making sure the mom wasn't drowning her babies. I don't know. Or was know. he like getting some sexual pleasure from seeing I don't his know naked daughters? What his motivation was, but. He broke the promise, and that was it. Yeah. I, Mortals only get one chance. I, I'm sorry. I don't think it's that weird. If you have young children, I don't think it's that weird to have an opposite-sex parent bathing you. No, it's not weird, but the fairy made him promise, and he broke the promise. This is why you don't marry fairies. They have weird <laughs> rules, man. So Melazine got married, and she made her husband promise not to look in on her on Saturday, because that's when she turned into the mermaid-esque thing. Okay. But one Saturday... Let me guess. Let me guess. <laughs> Wait for it. <laughs> her husband looks in on her on a Saturday. It's like Pandora's box. You gotta peek. You gotta find out what's Once going on Once you say, don't peek, you gotta peek. She should have... She would have been better off saying nothing at all. I know. Just disappearing on Saturday. Yeah. He probably didn't even know the days of the week anyways. Was he a dumbass? <laughs> no. Just, I don't know what kind of day schedule they had back then. Anyways, so of course he looks in on her on a Saturday, and when she sees him looking in on her as, you know, the with the serpent tails, she turns into a dragon and flies away. Hold on. She goes from half fairy, half human to... A mermaid with two tails on Saturday, and then somebody peeks, and suddenly she's a dragon. <laughs> I'm just telling you what the story what says. What kind of body morphing <laughs> kind of shit is that? It's gonna be terrible. <laughs> Maybe she didn't even know that she could turn into a dragon, and she's just like, "Oh shit, what's happening?" <laughs> just suddenly, she's I can't a freaking imagine dragon. she would. <laughs> That's gotta be painful as shit to suddenly just grow 40 stories and <laughs> sprout wings. I know, it's not like she, like, was aware of what was gonna happen. Or, I don't know. Maybe she was. Maybe she's like, he better not look at me, otherwise I'm gonna turn into a giant-ass lizard with wings. <laughs> Alright, moving on to our next country. Ireland. They have the Marrows. So the marrows have these special magical caps that let them breathe underwater. And they basically look like the traditional Is it jellyfish image. caps? No, they're like just these red caps that let them breathe underwater. Like ball caps? I don't know what kind of caps they are. <laughs> Ash you... ketchup caps! <laughs> if you want a picture, Ash ketchup caps on these merfolk, then be my guest. So, they basically look like the traditional western mermaid except they have green hair. But the men are actually more fish than merfolk. And they're like hideous and frightening and they're very cruel. So the women tend to have relationships with human men instead. Well, I would too. I know, right? <laughs> Some creepy fish man beating me. Look, honey, 
I know that looks ain't everything, but they're something. Well, also, they're cruel and frightening. All right. From Russia, the Rusalka. So these are the spirits of girls who died violently. Oh, I read about these. Did you? I did. They sound super creepy, don't they? They do. So, I mean, they come in the springtime. They come out and they water the crops to Uh bring in the spring plants. But because they died violently, they also try to lure men and children into the water to die. And they have this translucent skin, like, long hair that they use to entangle their victims. Are these the ones that were, like, cursed and, like, they could only, like, become uncursed if they, their killer was brought to vengeance, brought to justice or something? Oh, I don't know. I didn't read about that. Oh, okay. Maybe. I gotta pee. Hang on. From Norway and the Orkney Islands, the Finfolk. These are shapeshifters that can live on land or in sea, and they tend to have an antagonistic relationship with humans. So they abduct humans and, like, basically make them their sex slaves. <laughs> uh, but they As you do! <laughs> As you do. <laughs> That's just normal mermaid folk talk. <laughs> um, but they like silver, and you can bribe them with silver goods or silver coins. I gotta imagine that there's not a lot of bribing going on between men and those women. I don't know. You don't know what the women look like. That's true. Do you think they were ugly? I don't freaking know. They could be No, There's no, uh, no info on whether, what they look like? No. Not really. No. Are you gonna go pee? Oh, this is my cue? Yeah. Alright, and then I also really like the story of the Blue Men of Minch, which is also from Ooh, Scotland. I read about them too. You did? Okay. Yeah. So, um, the Blue Men of Minch are mermen. All men. Mm-hmm. No women, as far as I could read. Like and, coven of celibate monks. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, their human halves are blue, and they have these gray beards, and they basically have a very antagonistic relationship with humans. So while they're asleep, the seas will be calm and peaceful, but when they're awake, they can basically conjure up a storm at any moment, any time they like. And so their friendliness is based on their mood and whether or not they feel like they've been treated with respect. So they will, like, approach captains and challenge them to a duel a duel of rhymes <laughs> a rhyming duel like that's the only way you can defeat them is in oh a rhyming god. duel oh my god no 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 they'll, like, it's a rat battle <laughs> it's a rat battle it literally is they'll like go they'll swim up with their fishtails up to a captain of a ship who's trying to just do his job and be like, yo, time for a duel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if the captain can have... Blue the... boy, give me a beat. <laughs> <laughs> if the captain can win the rhyming battle, then he and his men can pass safely. But if he can't, then the blue man will 
like, destroy the ship and kill everyone on board, basically. You don't have the dope enough rhymes, dude. Sorry. (laughs) You've been shut down. You got served, son. (laughs) I feel like that would be such an amazing music video. Okay, Hollywood, if you're listening, can that be the next uh, movie in the... You Got Served franchise. The Step Up series. The Step Up. No, Step Up is dancing, but You Got Served is like rap battling, right? I don't freaking know. Ugh. <laughs> I don't watch those movies. Okay, so moving on. South Korea, the Sinjiki, is, are these um, women with pale skin, long black hair, fishtails, um... They basically come out in the early morning to warn fishermen about, like, incoming storms or typhoons, and they warn them by, like, throwing rocks at the cliff. (laughs) Wait, wait, no. Rocks at the cliff or rocks at them? (laughs) Rocks at the cliff. (laughs) I totally jumped to a conclusion there as soon as you said throwing rocks. (laughs) Suddenly you just pelted in the head with a rock. It's like, oh, it's going to be a storm today. It's going to be a bit misty out there. <laughs> just a giant boulder smacks you in the face. Oh, I better stay inside. <laughs> yeah, no, it's at the cliffs. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to wait for you to swallow. <laughs> So then there's the Japanese kappa. These are child-sized creatures that live in the lakes, the coasts, and rivers. And basically they resemble, like, monkeys, but they have yellow-green fish scales instead of skin with tortoise shells. Whoa, 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 wait, hold on, hold on. You mean instead of fur and, like, I'm pretty sure fish scales still considered skin. <laughs> okay, sure. Fish scales loosely floating off of muscle tissue. No, I mean, like, instead of, like, people skin, you have fish and scales. And monkey fur. Because... And instead of monkey fur, okay. you have fish, gr- yellow-green fish scales. All right, all right. And then they have tortoise shells on their backs and webbed hands and feet. And then they also have a dish-shaped head that's full of water. So it's not so much a mermaid as it's a... M- it's a mer creature. Turtle person. But like this is their mermaid. This is a turtle person. This is what I got when I looked at the mermaids. Okay. I got I got the kappa. I have a picture if you want to see. I, I wanna see. Please please show me. It kind of looks like Golem if he had a duck face and a bowl shaped oh. haircut and was green. <laughs> he looks like uh one of the three stooges. <laughs> Oh my god, he does. <laughs> now this is just an artist rendition. So No, it's not no, it's a real thing. No, that's the real thing. Yeah, this is a photograph of a real kappa <laughs> taken in the wild. Actually in a zoo. <laughs> in its natural habitat. <laughs> okay. So yeah, the dish in their their head is a dish, basically, and it's full of water, and that's where all of their supernatural powers are. So, if the water spills out, they lose all of their powers. Which, okay, this doesn't really make sense to me, because they swim in the water, right? 
So, is it just like regular lake water? Can you refill it? Well, they'd have to because they're swimming around in the water. A headbanging is out of the question. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Any sudden movement at all, probably out of the question. There goes your raucous lovemaking. <laughs> um, they will sometimes challenge humans to a game of skill in which the penalty for losing is death. Is it a rap battle? I don't think it's a rap battle, but oh. I think it's like more... Um, that's the little mermaid we want to see. Rap battle mermaid. <laughs> yeah, rap battle. I think it, with the cap, it's more like riddles. Okay. Um, they also like to eat children, and for children who go swimming in the lakes alone, they'll attack them. But there is a defense against them. Is it rap battles? It's not rap battles. <laughs> they apparently prize fresh cucumbers. So if you throw a fresh cucumber into At their the water, face, <laughs> straight into the mouth, just dick slap them across the face with a fresh cucumber. Um, oh yeah, and then also from Japan, uh, they have another variation. The uh, I'm probably not pronouncing this correctly, ningyo. Which is a giant fish with a human face, sometimes a monkey mouth. I don't know what that necessarily looks like compared to a regular human face. Uh, uh, I'm guessing, like, large fangs? Kind of like well, how So it says, have? sometimes monkey mouth, sometimes with horns and fangs. Okay. So, if you eat a ningyo, you will gain eternal youth and beauty... But catching one will bring storms and misfortune to the village. So it's very selfish. Oh, okay. So you can be eternally young and beautiful as fuck. But you're going to be hated But you by better everyone. move the fuck out right afterwards. Because yeah, people are going to get pissed. You got to have a backup plan to uh, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. All right. All right. So um, before we move on to some stories, we have the science behind mermaids. Ooh. Because, yes, there is science. Sort of. <laughs> they could exist in real life. Not quite. So, a lot of the sightings in history is probably due to manatees and dugongs, because if you're, if it's, like, kind of sunset, or you're looking from far away, or the creature is mostly in the water, then a manatee or a dugong could resemble... The, like, western image of a mermaid. Alright, I'm glad you brought this up, because I'm going to be talking about this. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, In defense of mermaids, okay? <laughs> Total defense of mermaids. They're real. They exist. Okay. <laughs> so, basically, it's theorized that a lot of the sightings that are, quote-unquote, recorded is probably people seeing manatees or dugongs swimming around and doing their thing. So, there's actually this um, birth abnormality called serenomelia. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, nope. It's also called mermaid syndrome. So, it's one of the rarest congenital fetal abnormalities in which the legs are 
completely or partially fused together, giving the appearance of a mermaid tail. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen pictures. So sometimes the legs are fused together and there's, like, one foot. Sometimes they're fused together and you have two feet that are um, facing the opposite direction, kind of looking like the mermaid tail. This abnormality is usually incompatible with life because it usually involves the absence of external genitalia and an imperforated anus, which basically means there's (laughs) no butthole. (laughs) Hey, Disney, how does Little Mermaid poop? (laughs) You're going to have to take that up with Walt. (laughs) It's it's been bothering me for years. How do do they poop? How did King Triton have, have like, seven children? Yeah, seriously. I know, there's no, like, thing. There's no holes. There's, There's, he's just a fish. Like, yeah, in regular fish, they kind of have, like, a teeny tiny little, like, (laughs) hole. They have a little doo-doo-doo. They have a little doo-doo-doo that they poop out of. (laughs) And do all their other business out of, too, I'm guessing. I think it's just one hole. I don't know the fish. A cloaca? Our John, our producer John just told <laughs> our, us. Our John. Our producer John just told us it's a called a cloaca. He's the ecologist of the show. He is the uh, voice of God in the show. <laughs> I, I figured everything. Cloaca. I figured it was just a one hole where all the. It's a one stop shop. <laughs> Interesting that chickens also have a cloaca. Okay. Well, the more you know. The more you know. Do do do. Alright, so again, usually incompatible with life because there's no butthole. <laughs> Serenomalia occurs in about one in every 100,000 births, and the ratio of male to female is about three to one, so more males with females become merfolk. Diabetes and drug abuse are considered risk factors for this birth defect. Well, there's your dare slogan. I know, seriously. Don't do drugs, kids, because you will give birth to a mermaid without a butt. Well, okay. You you really gotta add the without a butt part, because if you just say you'll give birth to a mermaid... That sounds pretty badass. It might cause an effect you don't want. Does it occur to you that badass could actually be a great pun? It's a bad. <laughs> it's they literally have a bad ass. There is no hole. It's badass. Okay, so this isn't very funny, but most babies. No, it's terrible. I'm sorry to anyone who's born with this condition and has to probably have a prod shoved up there so they can have an asshole. So, most babies die pretty quickly after birth if they're born with serenomalia, but there are cases of babies who survive, such as a girl who was born in Peru, and as a toddler, she underwent surgery to diffuse her legs. And then there's also the story of Shiloh Pepin, and there's a great documentary about her. Um, she was born with serenomalia in 1999 in Maine, and when she was born, she had no uterus, no bladder, and no large intestine. Ooh. And she survived, like, a bunch of different surgeries, like, two kidney transplants, and 
she was still like happy and how do you survive she, without an intestine? I know, and she like she did dance classes. She was an amazing kid, but unfortunately, she got like the surgery to get her legs separated, right? No, she didn't. She decided that even though she was different, she like. I'm really. Trying I, to I didn't. I didn't watch the doc, the documentary. I watched more of like a a summary of her life. But she sounds like this amazing kid who kind of took her difference and made it a strength in her. Unfortunately, she passed away when she was ten from pneumonia. Oh. So. That's it's really actually sad. It's surprising that it wasn't actually Serenamalia that killed her. It was a completely separate thing entirely. Yeah. There's only three recorded cases of people with Serenamalia surviving infancy without undergoing an operation to have their legs diffuse. And I think Shiloh was actually one of those people because she never had her legs diffused. She, um, she lived with them together. No, I Looking mean... like a mermaid. So, um... <laughs> What's the Pokemon's name? Ghastly? <laughs> Ghastly, go! <laughs> don't feed me cheese if you don't want me to fart. I don't care. Okay, I'm almost done with my segment. Wait, okay. you don't care if she farts, but you care if I fart? What is this? I care if you l- literally say, okay, you could be Big Spoon, just so you can fart on me. Literally, I like being Big Spoon, right? But he'll be like, he'll just like flip over. I was like, okay, give me a Big Spoon. And I'll be like, okay, yay, I get to be Big Spoon. And then he'll just like fart on my vagina because that's where it's positioned. And then he'll turn back over so he can be Big Spoon. Okay, well, that's when you just got to queef on him. I can't just queef on command. You haven't learned how to queef on command? No, I haven't. Queefing happens because air gets up in there. It's like if you're like kind of like your legs are up in the air and like a bunch of air is going and then like you As air is want to do. And then you like sit up and then you queef. Thank you for that scientific explanation of a queef. That's what it, that's what it is. We all know what a queef is. Well, I mean <laughs> Well, unfortunately, I haven't figured out how to do it on command either, but I'm pretty good at it. I've accidentally done it at work and played it off as a fart. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so, moving on some from Serenomalia, there's also some scientific basis for how mermaids would have lived. From the oceanographer, Carl Bantz. He has some theories about mermaids. In fact, he separated mermaids into three different species. There's Serena Serena, which are from the Mediterranean, Serena Indica, which are from the Caribbean, and Serena Erythrea, from the Red Arabian and Indonesian Seas. Basically, Carl Bant said, or theorized, that mermaids would have had to live in warmer waters because they didn't have the blubber to live in the Atlantic and Pacific waters. Well, hold on. How do we know that there's not chubby mermaids out there? I mean, I guess there could be. 
But they'd resemble more, like, manatees and stuff. Alright, whatever. Their diets consist mostly on the flesh of humans, but sometimes they supplement it with fish. Unlike popular imagery, the mermaid tail wasn't covered in smooth scales, but rather they were these horny skin folds, kind of similar to, like, an armadillo or an anteater. And because they have two breasts, they probably gave birth to one or two young at a time. And since they didn't have obvious genitalia, they probably reproduced with egg fertilization, kind of like other fish. Like fish. Or, on alternate theory, they could go more in the Hindu mythology direction where the mermaid gave, gave birth from her throat. Whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, what? I don't remember you talking about this. No, I didn't I didn't get a chance to talk about this particular mythology, but basically the Just unhinge their jaw like a snake and a baby pops out. Basically. Yeah. Oh. oh. So Bance's theory is that mermaids went extinct due to overfishing by humans and an increase in the jellyfish population for which they had no natural defenses against the jellyfish sting. And um because, and in terms of, like, their culture and stuff, because they didn't have any fire and the aquatic vegetation wasn't really suited to making ropes or clothing or baskets or anything like that, they probably had lives that were similar to the hominid Stone Age. Mm -hmm. But they would have still had a very complex social-political structure. And they probably would have farmed aquatic plants and creatures. Another thing I wanted to mention was the aquatic ape theory, which is the theory for how mermaids could be a separate branch of the hominid genetic evolutionary line. Mm -hmm. Basically, the aquatic ape theory, which for the most part has been debunked by both scientists, it basically states that Early hominids or um, more ape ancestors lived a aquatic or semi-aquatic lifestyle, and this would account for why our bodies are hairless and why we have sub subcutaneous fat for warmth instead of hair, similar to other marine mammals. Also, our upright posture made wading easier. We could keep our heads above water. And basically, if you think of, like, early hominids living in Africa during the dry seasons, being able to live a aquatic lifestyle would have ensured the survival. Well, if they found water, yeah. Yeah. It's the theory has been basically debunked, but it's worth noting. Uh, no, I way. like the part where it's like that's explains like subcutaneous subcutaneous fat and hairless bodies. It's it's very interesting. It is interesting, but then you also have to think like seals, polar bears, they have fur, and well, because they live way up in the way fucking cold. But they they hunt and they basically live like pretty much in the water. Yeah. So it doesn't really... 
It's basically, the aquatic ape theory is basically people picking and choosing different elements in order to make it match what they would like to see. Like the sugar companies. Kind of. Got it. Understood. So that's it for background. Finally. (laughs) Finally done? Is it my turn? It's finally your turn. All right. Tell me what your story is. All right. So I... About some sightings of mermaids in the world. Well, I have a number of sightings. I couldn't choose just one, of course. Also, most of the sightings are kind of like very brief. They're basically just a journal entry from a pirate pirate captain or a ship captain from um, the Age of Exploration. But yeah, it's pretty much just a journal entry. We don't really have much more than that because, I mean, it's not like we have any accounts from the mermaids themselves. That would have been rad, right? (laughs) That would have been useful. (laughs) So yeah, it's very one-sided. So first off, I'm going to give you just a little... Story from Christopher Columbus. That asshole. (laughs) So he's sailing around the Dominican Republic in 1493 when he sees three mermaids. It says he saw them, but what it sounds like from his journal entry is that another person saw them and he's just writing about it. So he says... On the previous day, when the Admiral went to the Rio del Oro, he said he quite distinctly saw three mermaids, which rose well out of the sea, but they are not so beautiful as they are said to be, for their faces had some masculine traits. And pretty much it's like, because they weren't beautiful, perfect ten mermaids, it's said that they were probably three manatees instead. And this assumption really troubles me because I was gonna say he probably just saw a few manatees well hold on hold the fucking phone a minute because maybe not every mermaid is a perfect ten maybe you've got some frunky frumpy fucking fur mermaids <laughs> you know just like have like a butt chin and maybe a big nose I think they could have been frumpy mermaids I don't see why they couldn't be frumpy mermaids <laughs> Okay, I guess they could have been frumpy mermaids. Fat bottom girls make the world go round. Okay? Anyways. So, I'm gonna move on to Blackbeard. Uh, didn't really find much about him. I found a brief blurb, brief blurb about him in an article I was reading, stating that he would avoid certain areas and sail a bit out of his way to get around them because he was afraid of mermaids. <laughs> But I couldn't find anything, like, hard evidence saying that he actually encountered a mermaid, which is kind of disappointing, but... So he was just afraid of mermaids popping up. Well, I'm gonna go with that, but when I was researching Blackbeard and mermaids, all I got was a ton of stuff about the movie Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Of course. It was so frustrating. It was, like, pages and pages and pages of just stuff about the movie, and so I gave up. But yeah. I don't yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, like that's the problem when Hollywood kind of takes over a theme, then you literally cannot find anything else. Yeah, you literally literally it's just dicks 
all the way down. Yeah. Then there's Henry Hudson, who is famous for uh, Hudson Bay and um, the Hudson River. Is it Hudson Bay? I don't know. You're the the one that did the research. No, he's famous for the Hudson Strait and Hudson River. Sorry. Excuse me. Had a little too much. But um, in 1608, he was sailing around Norway looking for the Northwest Passage to the Pacific. And on June 15th, he wrote in his journal, This morning, one of our company looking overboard saw a mermaid, and calling up some of the company to see her, one more came up, and by that time, she was close to the ship's side, looking earnestly upon the men. A little after, a sea came up and overturned her. From the navel upward, her back and breast were like a woman's, her body as big as one of us. Her skin very white, with long black hair hanging down her back. When the mermaid finally went down under the waves, her tail was observed, which was like that of a porpoise and speckled like a mackerel. And the prevailing theory is that maybe they were seeing um, a seal. And how do you? How does a seal have long black hair? Yeah. Well, there we go. Once again, how does a manatee have long hair? (laughs) This is once again. Why I take issue with this explanation. All these sea captains, love them or hate them, hate you, Christopher Columbus, they were experienced sailors, okay? Mm-hmm. And the men that they were sailing with, for the most part, probably, this wasn't their first rodeo, okay? <laughs> they would have seen a seal before. They would have seen a manatee before. So, to me, it seems a bit reductive to just say they were mistaken. And, okay, so you know me. I have a brother who's a sailor. I have a father who was a sailor. My father's best friend was a sailor. I know how sailors drink. (laughs) Lord knows I know how sailors drink. You would have to be pretty fucking twisted probably blacked out drunk to mistake a manatee or a seal for a mermaid. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, things look different when you're underwater. They weren't fucking underwater, though. They were, like, sitting on rocks and stuff. Huh. What about with shadows playing over them? Even still, I think, you know... Like, from far away. You would have to have really bad eyesight. I I will say maybe there were other vices, like hallucinogens in nature, but I I just don't buy that it was a manatee or it was a seal explanation. I think that's way too simplifying. Maybe manatees, like, secretly enjoy collecting bunches of seaweed to drape over their heads. Maybe manatees are just straight up mermaids in disguise, and they just, like, turn into fat, frumpy sea cows. (laughs) Whenever they go up on land. (laughs) That I would love. (laughs) Anyways, uh, moving forward, uh, there's been a number of mermaid hoaxes. The one I want to mention real quick is P.T. Barnum's... Fiji mermaid, and I want to mention her because I just watched The Greatest Showman, and I loved that movie. It was so amazing. So he featured a um, half-human, half-fish creature in his show and said it was a quote-unquote real mermaid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
But it wasn't the long-haired, voluptuous-breasted beauty that is so popular in our culture. It was a grotesque and creepy mummified corpse. And what it actually was, was a taxidermied mashup of a monkey, its head and torso, grafted onto the body and tail of a fish. And it's just, it looks creepy and gross. It looks more like a cat treat. Yeah, it, <laughs> it kind of does. <laughs> um, after, well, there's a ton of more, like, hoaxes and stuff still out there. And they're all being debunked mm-hmm. one after the other. But, um... Especially, like, the Animal Planet thing. <laughs> the Animal Planet docu- mockumentaries is Not what they are. Not real people. <laughs> Not real, but they... It was War of the Worlds, pretty much. Which is awesome. But more recent sightings. In 2009, in Israel, people reported seeing a woman bathing in the sand, and then they tried to move closer, and when she spotted them, looking at her, she jumps into the water and reportedly performed a few tricks because that's what I do when I've suddenly been spotted. I start start flipping and doing tricks. (laughs) (laughs) But to increase tourism, the local government offered $1 million as a reward for anyone who snaps a picture of the mermaid. No one has yet to get a photo, and the reward remains unclaimed. And the source I was reading says... This money would set them up for life, which I had to laugh at because we live here in the Bay Area of California, San Francisco Bay Area. The amount of money it takes here to to live here is way more than one million dollars. Yeah, that would not set you up for life. That, that would... would get you maybe ten years rent. Yeah. After that, you're fucked. We pay a million dollars for a house that has to be torn down pretty much <laughs> basically I, a million I really, dollars for like a 1970s house that hasn't been updated that has has no internet connection it's just terrible <laughs> so yeah i i really had to chuckle at that shit so i want to move on to my main feature and I want to take you to Zimbabwe. Ooh. And if you thought you were going to have trouble pronouncing words before, <laughs> just wait. Oh, boy. Can't wait. I'm sorry if I fuck anyone's name up or any place's name up. So, in Zimbabwe. Zim- <laughs> in Zimbabwe. <laughs> as I mumble over words. Zimbabwe. <laughs> You have to stop laughing if you want me to continue. Okay, go on. So in Zimbabwe, um, where despite being a landlocked country, there is widespread belief in mermaids. Many of them believe that they are demonic forces and are evil because they apparently abduct people, torture them, and even kill them. Hmm. But there are others who... I wouldn't say think the mermaids are good, but as one person, Justice Manyangoy, Manyanga, sorry, as one person, Justice Manyanga put it, 
they have their role to play. And he would know because he claims to have spent quite a bit of time with them and was tutored by them and they taught him how to be a traditional healer. <laughs> so in his experience, when you are taken by a mermaid, you have to live like them. You have to wear something that covers your feet. You eat the kind of foods that they eat, which is just fish, Human rice. flesh. No, it's literally just fish, rice, and chicken, which sounds like a normal diet. <laughs> um, but apparently, when you are first taken, the mermaids... Wait, how do they have chicken? Well, they come out of land and grab some chickens, I'm guessing. Alright. I don't know the science behind it. That was not my department. <laughs> Wait, how do they have rice? It's, again, not my department. <laughs> Apparently, when you're first taken, the mermaids give you a first meal, and it's millet or sh and sorghum meal, which are two different grains, I found out. And then they give you two fish so that are rotten. And if you show any disgust at having to eat these rotten fish, you will be shaming your ancestors and you will be killed. What? Yep. You have to eat rotten fish. Ew. Um, he and many other people believe wholeheartedly that he was actually taken and lived among these mermaids for a time. To give you some context, there are many beliefs on how Najuzu, which is what they call mermaids in Zimbabwe, came to be. One belief is that they were created by God. Um, another is that they were born when a baby or a young person who is sexually pure dies near water. Then there's the belief that if someone who has drowned in a deep pool of water along one of the many rivers in Zimbabwe, they will become a ninjuzu. <laughs> I told you, it's really hard. I don't know how... First you're, of all, I'm slurring my word because I'm you're doing wrong. Great. <laughs> but also, uh, I, these are words I've never had to pronounce in my life before today, so... You're Sorry. doing amazing. But because there are so many stories of mermaid sightings and abductions, there is a pretty good consensus of what they look like. Everyone pretty much believes that they are white in complexions. They have hair that is just meters long. And they only attack black people. What? That's what that's what the tradition says. They only attract black attack black people. Because they are white. Oh, I see. It okay. sounds so racist. It does, no, but I can, like, see how the folklore around that could come up if you have European people invading your country and enslaving you and attacking your people, then, of course, you know, that kind of mythology would makes sense. Yeah, I don't know how far back this mythology goes, but yeah, it does make sense yeah. after that. So, yeah, I have a few uh, stories for you of abductions. Okay. In early 2012, work on two important dams in the town of Gokui and Mutare 
was halted because the workers claimed they were being harassed and assaulted by mermaids. Uh, the water resource minister, Samuel Sepipa Nokomo, then tried to hire whites, thinking uh, that they would not be targets because white workers wouldn't have been exposed to mermaids before. But the white workers also came back saying that they were, had been seeing some stuff and they were not going to be returning to work after that. Huh. I guess the issue was then resolved by brewing traditional beer and carrying out special rites to appease the spirits. They just uh, wanted some booze. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, as an American, we're kind of used to the authorities, figures, and government officials trying to rationalize everything, it's very rare to see, like, government taking seriously some sort of crazy claim as mermaids, right? Yeah. I'm just imagining our current commander The government actually called for the traditional rights to be performed. They said they could not continue without these rights being performed. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was just, it's so interesting to see that, see the government supporting the traditional beliefs of a population. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next story happened in February of 2017. Two boys who were apparently herding cattle near Gokwe Dam, they thought they saw a fish in the water, and... They reached down to grab the fish, but it turns out it wasn't a fish at all. It was a mermaid. Hmm. Some friends of the boys who well, were... Well, they grabbed the boob. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they would be reaching. <laughs> Some friends of the boys who were witness to the whole thing then saw the um, mermaid toss the two boys back onto the shore after a little bit. And that's when they ran to go get help. And when the boys' parents arrived, they started crying, as you would do seeing your children, you know, injured in a way. You might start crying and being a little bit emotional about it. Uh-huh. Apparently, this is a big no-no when dealing with mermaids, because it's believed that it's bad luck to mourn someone who's taken by a mermaid, and the mermaid might be angered by this show of emotion. And I guess that's exactly what happened, because the mermaid then returned, grabbed the two boys again, and pulled them back under, this time holding them down until they drowned. Oh, shit. Yeah, took a dark turn there for a second, huh? Yeah. So just remember, kids, if you cry, you die. (laughs) Take it like a man. (laughs) And then the last story I want to tell you is in April of 2017, a 14-year-old girl from Sosera Village disappeared at Razva Dam on her way to school in the presence of schoolmates. The schoolmates ran across the road to avoid an incoming whirlwind, and that's when they lost sight of the, uh, the little girl. The girl's mother, upon finding out about this, went to her church elders and was immediately instructed not to cry or raise any alarms, but to simply pray for her daughter's return. 
A prophet named Charles Kassirai also prayed for the girls, and a week later, she actually returns. What did she have to say? Well, actually, she didn't talk when she returned. To the mute? Well, I think she... I don't know if she's still a mute, but yeah, when she first returned, she was like, she didn't speak. She was un unable to talk. Huh. Um, How convenient. Her body was found along the banks of Rosva Dam, still alive, and then the prophet stayed with the girl for two weeks to instruct her on becoming a prophet herself. Which is apparently, you know, just what happens when you're taken by a mermaid, you eat traditionally you become a healer but mm -hmm. this girl uh, they decided that she would become a prophet but, interesting uh, yeah this happened last year no word on how she's doing today or you know uh, if she has any profiting visions or anything to say about where she went yeah haven't heard anything back about that but yeah that's uh, the story of Zimbabwe so given all of this what do you think about mermaids totally real <laughs> are you kidding me no way that it's just manatees it's real manatees and dugongs mm -hmm. i don't know you know i can we see we never talked about john smith we didn't talk about john smith we have a debate going on about john smith you found some research i found some research we got to talk about well, it. well basically it's the same research it's just where did he see it is the only difference oh no 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 i have more than just where he saw it. Do you want to tell me your story of John Smith? I mean, my only thing about John Smith is that, first of all, in, what was it, 1614? 1614. Yeah, because it's the same year. 1614. This is the same John Smith that uh, saw Pocahontas. So was rescued by Pocahontas. That's the story. The 10-year-old Pocahontas. Yeah. And so in Newfoundland, he saw this mermaid and he fell in love with the image of her but then he discovered that from the waist down she was a fish and that was kind of a problem for you know you know they don't have buttholes yeah <laughs> he was into all that <laughs> butt stuff that's kind of a problem so i mean that's what i found out about john smith that's that's all you found out yeah what did you find out Okay, 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 okay. Well, what I found out is a lot more than that. Okay. What I found out, it was actually in the Caribbean in 1614. And I have the quote, Swimming with all possible grace near the shore, the upper part of her body resembled that of a woman. She had large eyes, rather too round, a finely shaped nose, a little too short, well-formed ears, rather too long, and her green hair imparted to her an original character by no means unattractive. But from below the waist, the woman gave way to the fish. So what I found out about this, and it's on the Smithsonian website, is that the encounter was most likely a fabrication. Fabrication. Yes. First of all, accounts of John Smith's journal... Do not put him anywhere near the Caribbean in 1614. He'd be near Newfoundland. He could I did not search that far into it. He could have been in Newfoundland. But I think he was probably in the Virginia Company or um, sailing the Chesapeake or something. But he was in the Caribbean 
1611. I guess it could be a error in historical documentation. Or it could just be he was like, oh, you know, about three years ago I saw this, but I'm going to write it down today. I guess. I guess. But then that, that leads into another problem. If you look into John Smith's writings, and he wrote quite a bit about his travels, mm-hmm. even bull, bull, I can't pronounce that word, even exaggerated <laughs> some of his tales, there is no actual mention of him ever seeing a mermaid. So where did it come from? In his writings. Exactly. Well, where did it come from? Aliens. I'm kidding. (laughs) No. So historians track down the earliest telling of this tale to an 1849 issue of the Gazette of the Union to the beginning of a story called The Nuptials of Father Polypus. Polypus. Yeah. Polypus. This is a story written by a very... Famous author, Alexander Dumas. The author of The Three Musketeers? Yes, and The Count of Monte Cristo. (laughs) Yeah, it's believed that he wrote this little excerpt to give credit to this story of a father of four with a mermaid. Huh. The story was about a Frenchman hunting down for another man who had children with a mermaid. So it was kind of just like a publicity stunt. Basically. Huh. Yeah. Didn't know Dumas had it in him. <laughs> what a Dumas. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to say that joke for so long. I work <laughs> at a library. I have been waiting to say that joke for so long. <laughs> you finally got your satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? Mermaid's real? I don't know. I think that mythology leads people to see things or to interpret what they see in a certain way. Because you know me and psychology. Mm-hmm. So. You the, have that master's in psych. The brain interprets things according to memories and expectation. And so I think that the mythology and the expectation of what you might see upon the water as a sailor paired with possible rough seas or, you know, mysterious things that you can't quite make out. Or rum. Or rum. (laughs) It could lead to, you know, these sightings, quote-unquote. But as for half human half mermaid or half human half fish people I don't think I'm really buying it see I love how I give a quick like yep it's totally true mermaids exist and you're just like "Mm, (laughs) gotta go into the psych let me just give you this long explanation of why this is not real (laughs) gotta go into the psych yeah I'm I'm down for the belief I want to believe it's real it would be so cool though I would love to be That's a why I believe in most things, because it would be so cool if it's real. It affects my daily life zero. 
Like if I if I could, but choose it would just between, become so cool if it was if real. If I could choose between being able to fly and being able to breathe underwater, I would totally breathe underwater. I would oh, love, for sure. I would love to be a mermaid. Fuck flying, being underwater. Hell yeah. All right. So I guess that's it for our episode on mermaids. Thanks for listening. Catch us next time. Bye. Hey everyone, it's Kim. I just uh, wanted to come in here at the end, first of all, to say thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. That means a lot to us. We'd also like to thank our producer, John. He created the music that you heard at the beginning and you're about to hear in a couple seconds. He's also been really helpful with technical support because Jill and I really don't know what we're doing with this. And he's also letting us borrow his microphone, which is completely awesome. So thank you, John. Uh, just a couple quick announcements. If you want to get a hold of us, tell us what you thought, give us constructive criticism, or just send us your hate mail, you can email us at thismythagainpodcast at gmail.com, or you can uh, find us on Twitter at myththis, that's myth underscore this. Thank you again. We really, we really do appreciate it, and we'll check you later, Holmes.